Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Breda Pest Management, the official pest control of UGA Athletics. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. So we opened the show yesterday by playing some audio from you for you from Peter Burns, SEC Network. Peter's a guy that we like. Uh, he We brought him on the show last year to explain why he thought George was going to win the national championship. It turns out his prediction is correct. And as you heard yesterday, he's kind of taking that prediction to a next level that not only do they win the national championship, but they're not going to play a close game all year. And there are a lot of people, including the Kent State coach, the opponent for Saturday, who are kind of saying something similar and all that. And I think there's a degree to which Georgia fans kind of like the fact they're finally getting some attention, finally getting some praise, finally getting some pats in the back. I think there's a, a, a sort of a collection of Georgia fans who are like, it's about time people recognized who the best team in the country really is. There is an element of this that I think for a lot of Georgia fans is kind of enjoyable. And I think there's also the acknowledgement of all of this is also just sort of puffery. You know, all of this is just sort of high praise but doesn't really necessarily mean anything you can't you know measure it you can't put it you know in a bottle and you know it's all just kind of uh sort of non-existent right it it doesn't really necessarily mean anything well what if i told you today that there is actually a much more quantifiable example of how perception of georgia has changed it's an example of change for the better and we can point at it and recognize it and talk about specifically what it means. If I told you that, would you be interested in that? I think you probably will be. We're going to have to go into the weeds here a little bit to kind of unearth this, but hopefully it'll be a journey worth taking for a moment. Are you familiar with gambling? Now, a lot of you know you can do a point spread bet of like so-and-so is going to win the game by X number of points. You can do what's called a money line bet where you have to sort of pay an extra price just to sort of pick the winner. And if you get it right, you'll, you know, you'll, you'll sort of pay for certain odds, but you have a chance to, to, to bet that way. And you have what's called an over-under total, an expected point total for a game. Now, Georgia, as you might imagine, when it comes to expected point totals, has been going under a lot, meaning you add the score for Georgia and you add the score for the opponent together. Uh, That total, Georgia games have a very, very substantial history, both recently and relatively long-term, of hitting the under. Now, some of you know this a lot. Some of you don't know this at all, but this is all going somewhere here today. So if you think about the expected total for a a Georgia game, there have been five straight games dating back to obviously last season, five straight UGA games that have hit under the expected total. Georgia's so good defensively where that just sort of seems to happen. For instance, the the week one game against uh, Oregon, the team total for Oregon was somewhere around 17, 18 points, and yet they barely scored at all. And if it had not been for a bad call against uh, uh, who was Kamari Laster, then, then you would have gotten probably any points whatsoever. That's an example of even when the expectation by the betters and the lines makers, the odds makers, is that the Georgia defense will play well, they've even played better than that for the most part. And that's why you've had five straight Georgia games go under the expected total. But not only that, once again, dating back, like, say, October of last year, 11 of the last 14 games that Georgia has played have gone under this is as close to a rubber stamp as you get especially against power five competition when Georgia wins Georgia games have just had a long history substantial history of going underneath the expected total so you might imagine that with a game coming up on Saturday knowing that's what the track record has been that there would once again be this expectation well I know the Georgia game is going under because the Georgia game always goes under except when you listen to gambling experts 
They are saying something very different than that right now. I want to show you a tweet on the screen here if you're watching on video. And if you're not, I'll read it to you. There's a guy named Brad Powers who's kind of a you know very entrenched college football gambling guy. I think he's a pretty good follow on Twitter. I don't know him personally, but I think he's a pretty good follow on Twitter. And this is one of the things that he shared this week. These are the college football lines, whether it be point spreads, totals, whatever else, that have moved the most thus far this week from where they open. He cites Circus Sports, which is one of the sports books out in Nevada. But you see a similar thing. If you look at our preferred sports book with my book, you see a similar thing uh, happening here right now. That among the biggest line movers so far this week on the list here is the Kent State Georgia over. It has gone from where it opened the week to 50 at 55 and a half all the way up to 62. Now you say, well, B.A., what does that mean? It means suddenly a gambling market that puts its money where its mouth is. They're not just spewing off hot takes and sharing whatever else. A gambling market that knows that if they have the wrong line, they stand to lose money has completely reconsidered Georgia. And they've done so very, very quickly. Even though the the recent data, including Saturday's game, by the way, even though the recent data says, hey, Georgia games, they go under. This year, last year, Kirby Smart era, this defensive brand of football and relatively conservative brand of offense, that's a pretty good recipe for a game that goes under its expected total. Well, suddenly, because of how Georgia's scoring offensively, that you don't quite consider that to be such a rubber stamp anymore. In fact, a lot of movement on this point total, sending it from 55 and a half all the way up to 62. And if you look at Georgia, somewhere around a 45 or so point favorite, you're talking about an expected final score here and somewhere in the neighborhood of 55 to 7 there on Saturday. In other words, the expectation for points, if you look at the total and the spread, is not for Kent State to score very much. They're only expected to score seven or eight points in the game. But if you look at Georgia, the expectation is this offense that's averaging 43.3 points per game thus far this year is going to find its way into the 50s on Saturday. So this is an example of something quantifiable and measurable. This isn't just, you know, blow hard with a microphone saying, Georgia, the greatest team of all time. This is, you know, data driven gambling experts saying, oh, we have to retabulate what we think of Georgia offensively because suddenly this is a team that's just as capable of scoring as it is of stopping its opposition from scoring. And that is now reflected in the uh, gambling market as the expected total for Georgia goes up from 55 and a half up to 62 there on Saturday. And obviously, as you might imagine, the subject of the Georgia offense has been a little bit of a hot topic here over the course of the last few days there in Athens, too. In fact, yesterday, I thought it was somewhat ironic that Kirby was asked the exact opposite question than he might have been asked a year ago. You know, last year with Georgia doing so well defensively, I think there was this thought of, wow, does this great defense make things easier for the offense? Average starting field position, shorter fields to drive on. You know, Georgia was scoring a good number of points last year, but being set up well by the defense seemed to be a reason for that. Well, all of a sudden, now you fast forward to 2022, Georgia's defense is playing very well, but you almost wonder if the way the offense is performing is now setting up the defense for some of its success. And Kirby Smart talked a little bit about that yesterday, what he's seeing from his offense right now. Here's Kirby from after practice last night. I think that the lead, the scoring on offense has made other offenses play us differently and you know we haven't been in one of those those kind of games yet where it's uh you know when you get into a two score three score lead sometimes it puts a lot of pressure on the other side of the ball on the offense and allows you to play looser at times on defense too isn't that a fun thing to consider kirby smart and this offense that's suddenly getting noticed and maybe getting the respect that it deserves saying hey 
I maybe can look at my defense now and see a group that can play a little looser, a little more relaxed, kind of come after quarterbacks maybe a little bit more because Georgia, with the way it's scoring points, is putting so much pressure on opposing offense to try to match that. All of a sudden, maybe they're taking more risks than they would otherwise take or they're just a little more tense than they otherwise would be because they now know that against a very formidable defense, they have to try to match a Georgia offense that's seemingly scoring on just about every drive that it's in the game, at least when the game matters most, you know, first three quarters. This is a Georgia offense that's been pretty close to perfect. And Kirby says that's putting a lot of pressure on opposing offense to try to match that. And all of a sudden, maybe that does help the defense just a bit. And he also, in that same quote, talked about the work that the defense gets to do against that Georgia offense in practice every single day. That kind of helping there as well. But what Smart is describing the way in which the offense is helping drive the story for Georgia is the kind of thing that is now being noticed by a lot of people. And coming off the game against South Carolina on Saturday, when Georgia obviously marched down for 48 points, a lot of that respect earned during that game. Stetson Bennett, who was a big part of that story, despite the fact that he battled illness a little bit on Saturday, uh, he talked about what he thought the game against South Carolina demonstrated about Georgia's offense. What does it prove about the dogs? Is what Stetson said about that on Saturday. I don't know what it says or anything like that, but uh, you know, I, I think we handled business this week uh, coming into it. I think we respect the South Carolina and Coach Beamer um, and prepared well for him uh, and then came out here and executed. I would say, to add to Stetson Bennett's words, he says, hey, this shows that we handled business. I think what you're saying in terms of how you know pundits who are in the media or gambling folks, whatever else, I think what they're saying to you right now is, this isn't just a Georgia offense that handled its business against the Gamecocks or has handled its business through three games thus far this year. This is now a Georgia offense that is viewed to handle its business going forward there as well. And the expectation kind of baked into the cake when it comes to Georgia is the offense is now every bit as good as the defense is. And when you formulate your opinion of Georgia, you think about that side of the ball just as much as you think about the defensive side of the ball, which has obviously been a big part of the story for Georgia for quite some time. And someone who kind of seemingly understands just how formidable the offensive challenge is that Georgia provides right now is the guy who is probably the biggest part of that story on Saturday uh tight end Brock Bowers I would say one of the small handful of most dynamic pass catchers in the entire country he certainly seems to understand just how good the offense he's playing is truly is and I think he probably deep down knows he's a big part of that this was his evaluation of his offense after the game on Saturday I think it is difficult just to um, stop our offense we got so many playmakers like I said um like Marcus Ladd just all the receivers, our running backs, Kenny can get on the perimeter, Kendall run downhill, uh, and then our tight end room is good. So, I mean, I think it's just hard to stop just because we got so many playmakers. Hard to stop it because we have so many playmakers. That's not just puffery. That's not just a teammate bragging on his fellow teammates. That is measurable and quantifiable. You look at the gambling experts, the people who, if they are wrong, they lose money because of their incorrect opinion. They have now retabulated their assessment of Georgia. They have known that Georgia's great on defense for a long time, but based on the way in which the line has kind of moved for this Kent State game on Saturday, the point total has risen. All of a sudden, the expectation is, is that Georgia has an offense just as capable of scoring points as the defense for quite some time has been capable of stopping teams from scoring points. That's why people have been so enamored with Georgia through three games. This is truly a team right now dominating in all phases we've been used to seeing it on special teams we've been used to seeing it on defense and now we're all enjoying it seeing on offense there as well and that's a level of dominance that smart folks sort of expect to continue 
My name's Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, presented by Breda Pest Management. We're glad to have you with us here today, and glad to send the message of hashtag go for two and 22. Let's see those two fingers in the air. That's the pursuit that Georgia's on. That's the mission that they are chasing down here. Not just to win a game on Saturday against Kent State, but to win them all, to win every game. Uh, just the same way they were on that same chase last year for the first time in 40 years. Now they're ready to come back and do it again another year later for the second time in the last two years. So we're excited about all of that and happy to have you with us on the journey as UGA tries to chase that down. Whether you join us 945, first and 15, dognation.com, the Dog Nation app. 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, all kinds of video platforms. Facebook, uh, we talked about that. Uh, obviously, radio at noon, Athens Sports Radio 960, The Ref, podcast, Apple, Spotify, WorldFamousDogNation.com, uh, the Google Player on the Android device. A million different ways to be a part of the show. We are just so happy to have you with us. And a big thanks to our friends at Breda Pest Management for making it all possible. You know, some folks thought that South Carolina might be a nuisance or a pest to UGA on Saturday, but that was not the case. Georgia was well protected at williams Bryce Stadium. Of course, Sanford Stadium, the home of the dogs, well-protected as well from bugs and critters and termites and everything else because of Breda Pass Management, the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. And that same level of service that Breda provides to the dogs, they can provide to you there as well. The official pest control provider of UGA Athletics wants to give you that same level of service. And here's the good news. For an organization like Breda Pest Management, which has been in business since the 1970s, more than 100 employees working all across the Atlanta area and throughout the state of Georgia, that level of uh, institutional expertise, that level of strength, the resources that they have marshaled uh, towards the cause of uh, protecting you from bugs and critters can also be used to help save you money there as well. Because let's face it, if you're working with some fly-by-night company that doesn't have quite the same level of resource that Braided Pass Management has, they're raising prices month after month, year after year to keep up with the costs. And a smaller, less capable company is going to keep passing those expense uh, raises on to you and your, and your price for service is going to keep going up and up and up. That's why when Breda Pass Management, when you make the switch to Breda, they're going to save you money instantly just for doing that because they can lean on all of the resources they have available to them. So I want you to check them out online, BredaPest.com, B-R-E-D-A, BredaPest.com. Make the switch to Breda Pest, put more money in your pocket right away, and you can also say you're doing business with the official pest control provider of UGA Athletics. That is really good stuff, and that is something you're going to want to do today. Now, speaking of really good stuff, also here coming up in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have Mike Griffith on the show. And Mike's going to be live in Knoxville. He's doing some coverage for us this week of the Tennessee-Florida game, two future Georgia opponents, and pretty big game in the SEC here this week. So we'll talk to him about that coming up in just a little bit. Before that, though, I do want to go around the doghouse. And Kirby Smart said something yesterday that I thought was really cool. And this is a lot of the same stuff. Like, we're going to do a lot, unfortunately, of the same thing with Kirby a lot, which is, Oh, you idiots in the media say this, but this is what we say behind the scenes. And you, you're just going to come to expect that. But in the midst of a pretty typical Kirby quote yesterday, I thought he gave us two really good lines. And it's probably worth spending you know a couple of seconds here on both of those. The question comes up with, okay, how are you going to keep young players focused when you're winning games as easily as you are right now? 
whether it be complacency that creeps in or just sort of the natural boredom of being asked to do the same thing day after day after day, which is a lot of what success really is in life. Um, how do you keep all these guys focused knowing that the the opponent from a week-to-week basis might not be all that capable of challenging? And Kirby gave you a little bit of a long answer. It's about a minute's worth here, but two really good lines in the midst of this uh, minute's worth of audio. So let's say you're Kirby Smart from last night on how it is that he convinces young players to work as hard as he needs for them to work. Here's Kirby. Well, the tape does that. I mean, there's, there's success to you guys in statistics. There's not necessarily success for us. And you watch a tape and you cut a guy free. You watch a tape and a guy didn't do his job. He didn't strike the right guy. We gave up a gap. I mean, again, guys, it's not – there's no perfect – defense or perfect offense that we've played um we we know that the winner will ask what we did in the fall (laughs) and what we're doing now is preparation for what is to come and that includes getting better every day regardless of who our opponent is you know we're we're not out there just getting ready for kent state we're getting ready for the, the entire schedule we got we want to get our players better you know, we're, we're trying to get guys better for the first game next year because we got some guys that may not play this year. So uh, we're in the development business, and we do that really hard. We're not caught up in statistics or where we are right now because it really doesn't matter. You know, they, they may get it outside from you guys and read it, but they're not hearing about it over here. So one of the things I like to do is I'm not in Athens on a regular basis. I live in the Atlanta area. I'm almost always in the studio. So I don't get a chance to go to Athens for these press conferences very much. So I'm always really eager when the press conference are posted at our Dog Nation YouTube page. I'm always really eager to watch those press conferences. But in addition to that, one of the other things I also do is I always read the transcript of every press conference. And uh, the, that's not easy work, like transcribing these quotes from Kirby Smart. But it's kind of interesting just to sort of read everything that he says, go along with the video, because sometimes you kind of process things written in a way that's different when you watch it on video. I will tell you this, that some of the transcripts that I saw for this Kirby Smart press conference, I think transcribed one of the lines that he used incorrectly. Some people, I think, took Smart's line there to say the winner will ask what we did in the fall, W-I-N-N-E-R. But what Smart actually says there, and this is very like literary, this is, this is I think, a very cool line. He says, the winter, W-I-N-T-E-R, the winter will ask what we did in the fall. In other words, there is a time coming when the weather gets cold, December in Atlanta, January in either Atlanta again, Phoenix, or, or L.A. There is a time coming in the winter where we are going to play as a program the most important games that will be played this season. And the only thing we can do right now is to prepare ourselves to be ready for that. What we're doing in the fall prepares us for the winter when it matters the most. And I love the way that he says that. The winter will ask what we did in the fall. When there is no more time to prepare, are you going to be thankful for what you did do back during September and October when you were playing around with opponents that weren't good enough to challenge you at all but did you take the time then to get better? Because the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. And the best time to get ready for what's going to happen in December, January is right now. And Kirby says the winter will ask what we did in the fall. I just think that's a really, really good line. I don't know if that's something someone gave him or something he just sort of thought of on the spot. But that's there's something kind of literary about that, which I kind of like. I also like the fact that he said, hey, we're not just playing or practicing to beat Kent State. We're practicing to beat everybody on our schedule, which is a little bit of a callback to the great line after the South Carolina game from a year ago. 
Quinn Smart kind of laid down the expectation for that season. There's a certain symmetry to that, as we say, hashtag go for two and 22, that sort of reminds you of the kind of pursuit that Georgia got on around this same time a year ago, which I like. And then he also says that around here, we view ourselves as being in the development business. Isn't that a great way to describe, you know, what Georgia's benefiting from right now? You know, Jamon Dumas Johnson was developed last year. Uh, Zion Logue has been developed for a couple of years. On and on you can go and cite players who are playing more now than they played last year, but they were playing a lot in sort of blowout games last season. And that became the kind of seasoning and practice they needed to be the kinds of players they are right now. And Saturday, at a time in which a lot of us will have stopped paying attention to the game, other young players will be in that same situation. And we won't think much of it in the moment, but those of us who are Georgia fans will be very glad a year from now, two years from now, those players got the experience they did. And that's what the development business is all about. It's about doing what's important right now for future years, not just what's urgent for the following week. That's I think it's really good stuff, and it's a great line from Kirby Smart. And if you want the entire press conference, you can go to the Dog Nation YouTube page and check that out for yourself. But now, here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Breda Pass Management, we will bring on our next guest. He is there live in Knoxville, Tennessee. He's doing some coverage of a really pretty interesting SEC game, but we'll talk some dogs with him there as well. It is Mike Griffith. It's our Georgia Farm Bureau Insider Update with Mike here on Dog Nation Daily today. From Athens and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead, here's a DogNation.com insider. I uh, say hello to Mike Griffith here in Knoxville. He's got Neyland Stadium as background for those of you who are not watching on video right now. And Mike, I know it was a big deal there in Knoxville before the season began that I guess Josh Heupel and the Tennessee decision makers kind of reconfigured the outside of the stadium again. Those block vols letters that I guess Jeremy Pruitt had taken down, they put back. So I guess Tennessee fans are feeling good that that Neyland Stadium looks a little bit more like the Neyland Stadium of old I I don't know that any coach is ever going wrong by embracing the past and I guess that's kind of what Josh Heupel did before the year began is that right yeah they're trying to get it going like it used to be inside the stadium as well BA and and, and they still got a ways to go but huge hurdle on Saturday Florida which has really uh you know been just a thorn in Tennessee's side forever and ever and ever Uh, so many great Tennessee teams Peyton Manning never beat the Florida Gators. A lot of people believe that's what cost him the Heisman Trophy. But right now, it's Hendon Hooker in Tennessee trying to mount a challenge to George in the East. So far, I would say the Vols look like the biggest challenger to Georgia, but they got to get through this game against Florida on Saturday at 3.30 CBS game. I want to talk to you more about that game in a moment. Let's do a couple of things on George before we get there. One of the things I talked about on Monday and uh, wanted to kind of get your thoughts on too is the Arizona State job comes open, Todd Munkin's name, at least a couple of like sort of these like long lists of potential candidates. His name shows up there. I don't think the Arizona State job right now is the kind of job that I think that Munkin would be interested in or do I think he should be interested in it. I think it's a little bit of a mess in Tempe right now. But when the offense is performing as well as it is uh, at Georgia, this is the kind of thing I think we can expect to see a little bit more of. What do you make of the fact that Munkin is probably more involved in the rumor mill for coaching jobs than he has been prior to this since being at Georgia over the course of the last couple of years and the thought we may be hearing more of this in the uh, months to come? Yeah, well, when you look at what Todd Munkin's done with the offense, it's really been remarkable. I mean, midseason last year, Georgia goes 180 with their offense. They go from a four-wide spread with JT to a 
uh, a play action shot team with Stetson. And then in this offseason, Munkin rewires the offense once again, uh, builds it around Stetson's skill set. Stetson looks better than ever. A lot of high percentage uh, passes on the perimeter. Stetson shows he can throw the intermediate pass. And so that's why Munkin is popular as a candidate on the outside. The reality is he's had a shot as a head coach, and he really doesn't fit the head coach mold. When you get to know Todd Munkin, uh, he's not a warm and fuzzy guy that you put behind the podium. And I'm not sure that that fits the collegiate level. Now, I think, B.A., he's more likely to go back to the NFL as an offensive coordinator. That would be my guess. But right now, there's no reason for him to want to go anywhere. He's done a remarkable job with Stetson Bennett and the Georgia offense. Carson Beck actually has a higher QB rating. He appears to be next man up. Brock Vandegrift is another five-star that he could mold. And Gunnar Stockton is impressing everybody over in the football building. So if you're Todd Munkin making $2 million a year and Kirby's not going to push you too much to recruit like he does other assistant coaches, I think it's a pretty good gig. Uh, another piece of news has come out. We haven't really done a ton of this on the show yet. That is the fact that William Poole has stepped away from the team, and he's put his own statement out on social media. Kirby Smart's talked about that a couple of times there, too. Obviously, Poole's name will live in lore because he was a pretty big uh, guy in the national championship game last January. But in terms of the immediate present, how do you think this impacts the the secondary, and what do you think of, I guess, Georgia now minus a player out of that defensive backfield? Well, right now, I don't think it affects it at all based on what Kirby told us with Javon Bullard and Tyke Smith uh, playing the star position. And Poole had only played at cornerback on third downs against Oregon, Kirby said. So he was pretty minimized this year, frankly. He was pressed into action last year. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, programs have to do what they have to do with players. And, uh, you know, certainly Poole, a guy, a six-year senior, you hate to see it. Uh, but Kirby Smart's got a program to run. They'll move forward. And I don't think they'll miss a beat. This is one of those things where I think that Kirby Smart's coach speak probably actually has kind of a ring of truth to it in that you know, I've talked to some people who know the South Carolina program pretty well. And like one of the things they've told me is, is they actually did feel like they had some opportunities to make some plays on Saturday. And some of this came in moments in which Spencer Rattler was just so overwhelmed that he couldn't deliver the football. Either he was, as the line says, kind of seeing ghosts that weren't there, or he actually really was you know, facing a lot of pressure. But there were some people who kind of looked at that South Carolina game plan and thought, hey, you know, maybe, you know, you could have hit this guy here, hit that guy there. In other words, when Kirby says, hey, maybe the defensive performance hasn't been quite as perfect yet as you all think that it is, and maybe that there are some things that need to be cleaned up, there is a chance that maybe that's true. Now, I don't know when any of that really gets exploited because the fact is, if you're getting good quarterback pressure, then it doesn't sort of matter sometimes what else is going on. But, you know, there is a part of me that does kind of take that seriously of, hey, this secondary is still a little bit of a work in progress. You're still sort of figuring out what you have in certain spots. And, you know, that maybe this is one of those things where sometimes the final score and the end result doesn't quite tell the full picture of exactly what's going on. Well, Kirby said that last year. And so did Christopher Smith and so did Lewis Seen. I mean, there's always going to be guys open. And to your point, Brandon, as long as you're providing pressure, uh, then that doesn't get exploited. That's why it goes together. It's so important that you have pressure up front. It can really make your secondary look good or make your secondary look bad if you're not getting pressure. And the reason Kirby's concerned is because there are teams that have offensive lines that are capable of providing enough protection and, and have a good enough coordinate, a good enough quarterback and good enough receivers to exploit. But there's really only two or three of those teams out there. That's the good news. Georgia can overwhelm so many players with their talent. And then you add to it the incredible coaching job 
that not only Todd Munkin does on offense, but Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann and Kirby Smart. I mean, you talk about a, a trio of great defensive minds. I mean, George has got the upper hand in the coaching, the preparation, the athletes, uh, the momentum. I mean, there's really right now is such a machine, and you just got to kind of feel sorry for Kent State, uh, the golden flashes, because they're going to get exposed in uh, Athens on Saturday. Yeah, what else about the Kent State game stands out to you? I mean, obviously you're going to be there in East Tennessee uh, for the Vols and Gators, so you won't be in Athens, but you'll, uh, your eyes will certainly be on Georgia-Kent State. Uh, first time for these two teams to play since 1998, the debut game of uh, Quincy Carter. Uh, that's, I don't know why that's on my mind, but I was thinking about that a little bit. But beyond that, um, what else kind of jumps out at you as the Golden Flashes do come to town on Saturday? Well, first of all, we've all got to figure out how to stream this thing, right? Because it's not going to be on TV. I didn't think there'd be a a day and age where a national champion and a number one ranked team wouldn't be on regular network TV or, or even your basic cable package. So number one, I got to make sure that I'm set up to stream at noon, Brandon. Yeah. And then number two, and I asked Kirby this on Monday at the press conference, how do you know when to pull the quarterback? And you say, well, now wait a minute, you got to win the game first, right? I know it was seven to three Oklahoma at halftime and Norman earlier this year, whatever. George is better than Oklahoma. And the reality of the situation is it's going to be hard for Kirby. Because on the one hand, Brandon, I'd like to see Stetson pile up more Heisman Trophy numbers. I'd like Stetson Bennett to stay in the Heisman Trophy race as long as he possibly can and get an invitation to New York. Because Georgia has not had a Heisman Trophy finalist since 1992, Garrison Hurst. And if it's not Stetson, then let it be Brock Bowers. But let it be somebody. And I know that team comes first. Believe me, I understand that. But I want to see a Bulldog in New York. So that's one. But two... I want to see more Beck. Beck looks outstanding. He's got a higher quarterback rating than Stetson. Very small sample size, right? He's got the longest run of the year, 20 yards. He looks like a different player, looks very confident. And three, I want to see Brock Vandergrift. Because if we don't start seeing Brock Vandergrift, he's going to be wearing somebody else's uniform next year. I mean, that's just how the business goes. And it seems like an impossible chore. It's not just quarterback. you got to manage all these parts of your roster, Brandon. I mean, we look around the SEC and and we see Matt Landers as the leading receiver for the Razorbacks and Latavius Brini as a starting safety. We see Jalen Kimber with the pick six at Florida. We see Major Burns starting at LSU. There's opportunities out there. So Kirby and his staff have to do a very good job of managing this roster and keeping the best players in the fold. That's why he was talking about patience. And I get it. But this game right here this is exactly the kind of game where you need to play those guys to let them know you're committed to their future and that's what Kirby and his staff are doing a lot of roster management all the programs in the country right now this is the situation well speaking of managing challenging situations that's what our friends at Georgia Farm Bureau do for you there as well I'm talking about living and working and doing life in communities just like yours across the great state of Georgia and managing your uh, insurance needs there as well your home insurance your auto insurance that is so much of what georgia farm bureau is about friendly agents you know great folks to talk to that kind of understand what you're trying to do you need that insurance on your vehicle because you're trying to get to work each and every day that's how you support your family and uh, a good vehicle helps you with all of that or the the home that you live in the place that's maybe your best financial asset but also the source of your biggest memories there as well you want it well protected too Georgia Farm Bureau agents understand that because they are Georgians. Georgia Farm Bureau always the home team. And you reach out to them and find out more, gfbinsurance.com. That's g 
gfbinsurance.com. If you want more from your insurance provider than maybe what you've got in the past, somebody that doesn't really know who you are, somebody that doesn't really care about you, well, Georgia Farm Bureau is totally different than that. They are uh, always the home team. They want to be on your team there as well for your auto insurance needs, your home insurance needs and a whole lot more gfbinsurance.com you can check them out today so mike i gotta ask you this uh before we kind of finish up here i know the last time you joined us via video for the show you were there just outside williams bryce stadium and you were chased off by security probably not the first time in your life you've been chased (laughs) off by security but uh how about today and now you have the city of knoxville wired a lot more than probably you have columbia you're a much bigger deal in knoxville than you are in columbia so (laughs) What kind of relationship have you had with security there on hand at uh, Neyland Stadium here today? So far, so good. This time I called ahead and asked the University of Tennessee where it would be safe for me to set up. I thought I was on pretty safe grounds last year. When when you hear state fairgrounds, that sounds like about as much a public property as you can get. But as it turned out, that was a private entity. And thank goodness that the security guard was a former officer from the city of Roswell who's a big fan of Dog Nation and Brandon Adams, or he probably would have shut me down. But fortunately, he recognized our program and said, I kind of wanted to hear what Brandon and you had to say, so I let you finish. That's really funny. On a serious note to finish up here, I think the game that you're going to be there for on Saturday is interesting. Now, I'm an SEC fan, so I'm sort of interested in the game just because of that. But from a Georgia standpoint, it's also really interesting, too. And here's what I'll tell you. I've been pretty impressed with Tennessee thus far this season, despite the fact they haven't played a very rigorous schedule yet. I think on the list of top position groups in the SEC, I think you have to include the Tennessee wide receiving core. I think that's a a very impressive group. But I will say in the pit game on the road, they did win and they you know technically covered the spread. I don't know they quite flex that day as much as I thought they might. And to me, that's what the game at home with game day on hand against Florida on Saturday is all about. It's a chance for Tennessee not just to beat Florida, something they haven't done with regularity, as you pointed out, in a long time, but to also maybe get the kind of convincing win that says that Tennessee is going to be a big part of the SEC story here this year. Now, there's a part of my brain that kind of gets unlocked with nobody thinks Florida's very good. Everybody thinks this is a day for Tennessee to kind of be coronated as kind of back to a to a certain degree. I'd be careful here if I was Tennessee. I'd be careful with the Gators kind of lying in wait. But the game story to me is about the Vols of just how good are they? How much can they demonstrate with a big TV piece of real estate at their disposal on Saturday? Yeah, I think you're exactly right. There's a lot to be said for knowing how to handle the moment and certainly Kirby Smart and Georgia football have learned how to handle the moment. I remember for a while there was some ridiculous game day stat and people were freaking out because game day started coming to Sanford Stadium and Kirby and his guys were like, don't worry about it. We got this. And they've just kicked everybody's butts now with game day present. I think they got the longest win streak on the road in the nation, Brandon. And I think dogs have won 13 in a row at home. Tennessee, though, to your point, uh, you know, talk about seeing ghosts. They haven't really beaten Florida with regularity, you know, since the 1980s, pre-Spurrier. Now, Casey Clawson won a couple of games against the Gators. Uh, Georgia was his downfall, of course. But they have not beaten Florida since Butch Jones in Tennessee came from behind at halftime at Neyland Stadium in 2016, the same year as the crazy Hail Mary at Georgia. I guess Tennessee was living right that year. So there's a lot of people on pins and needles. There's a lot of people that, that do see ghosts when it comes to Florida. Uh, to your point about the Gators, it's all about Anthony Richardson. You know, it's not fair, it's not right that a guy should have to put a team on his shoulders, but that's where Anthony Richardson is. They don't have good perimeter receiving threats. Florida's going to have to run the ball, control the clock, try to keep that explosive Tennessee offense off the field. 
Now, I will say this about the win over Pitt for Tennessee. That was a big win because they overcame adversity because their defense had to get some stops. The story on this program right now is they're going to try to get you in a track meet and outscore you, and that's the only way. They're going to have to grow. If they're going to contend with a program like Georgia, and, and I want to be clear, I don't think they're within double, I don't think they're within single digits of Georgia on the football field yet, but they're going to have to grow as a football program and a football team, and they're going to have to stay healthy because they do not have the sort of championship depth that programs like Georgia and Alabama have. Mike, I think that's well said. I'm looking forward to your coverage there. Obviously, Georgia will play both these teams later on this season, so we'll uh, read a lot from you, and I think we're going to speak to you on Saturday there, too, as a part of our video coverage on game day, so we'll look forward to doing that then, and obviously we'll get more thoughts on the dogs from you next week here on Dog Nation Daily there as well. Uh, We will talk to you soon. All right, thanks, B.A. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. So good stuff from Mike Griffith there as part of a Georgia Farm Bureau insider update. Georgia against Kent State. Two Georgia rivals playing on Saturday. Interesting coverage from Mike Griffith on that. And I want to make this very clear. I don't think that Tennessee is good enough to challenge Georgia. I don't. I don't think that Tennessee would rank even as the second toughest game on the regular season for Georgia. I still think both the true road games that Georgia will play in November at Mississippi State, at Kentucky, are likely to be tougher the game against against Tennessee. But do I think that the Georgia-Tennessee game could have a big game feel to it? I think it might could. And, you know, if Tennessee wins this game, regardless of what happens third Saturday in October against Alabama, they go on the road to LSU at a certain point in year two. I think there's a chance that Tennessee is good enough to make the home game in November feel like a big deal. A lot of folks are hoping that may be like the night game for Georgia here this year. That, that you know, you kind of wonder, does Georgia ever get to play a home game at something other than noon or something other than the daytime? Well, you know, maybe the Georgia-Tennessee game is where that might happen, where you do get a little bit of a, a nighttime vibe. You do get that really intense, you know, big game feel. The problem with Georgia being as good as it is, it takes a lot for the other side to make the game feel big because Georgia's just a huge favorite in every game that it plays. At least for the foreseeable future, that's going to be the case. And I don't think that Tennessee is good enough to keep it close against Georgia, even though I do really, really respect their wide receivers. But could they play well enough in this game and some of the other games they're going to play to at least make the game feel big before kickoff? I think that might be the case. That's at least a possibility. Now, I also think you have to be really careful in these situations where everybody's kind of lining up and only talking about one side. And right now, that's the way this game is. We'll do more of this in a moment. I think you have to be a little bit careful with that, but obviously there's a reason why Tennessee's earning more chatter than Florida is right now. Let's go cruise around the SEC now, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. And boy, I was looking at some stuff for Perfect Day Coco K before the show began today. There's just so much that I love about that. You know, one of the things I'm going to do prior to the Dog Nation cruise is I'm actually taking my entire family on a cruise. And my kids don't know this yet, so if they hear this, they'll i guess find this out but they're in school right now so they don't they won't hear it anyway but i'm really excited about taking them to perfect day coco okay and having the experience there with all the stuff that goes on there you know you have the uh thrill water park largest uh tallest water slide in north america you know so many cool things associated with that it's just like a really fun kind of island oasis and some of this is for adults sort of kick back and relax but some of this is just for like families to play and have fun with and I'm the kind of guy that sort of likes to do both. You know, I, there is a part of me that does like to just sort of, you know, camp out in a lounge chair and, you know, read a magazine, have a couple cocktails and just sort of let the sun bake me. I kind of like doing that. But I also like getting out and playing with my kids and stuff like that, too. And on our Royal Caribbean cruise vacation, 
you really have the chance to do all of that. And when we're on our Dog Nation cruise coming up in April, you'll have a chance to experience that too. Also watching the video on the screen, I just saw Playmaker Sports Bar. That's another thing that's kind of really fun about what we're going to be doing on Independence of the Seas coming up in April. A chance to enjoy uh, Playmaker Sports Bar, all the great sort of sports action that takes place while we're there. It's going to be a, a great experience. A lot of you have already booked your uh, cruise. I'm excited about that. If you want to find out more information, royaldogs.com, royaldogs.com, you can do that. You can also call our friend Jessica Slater. Jessica is a great travel agent. She's already booked personal travel for so many of our Dog Nation folks, but also folks on the Dog Nation cruise there as well. You can give her a call, 770-718-9147, 770-718-9147. Even if you just want to ask her some questions about this, including the question you probably should ask her, is this cruise going to really be as fun as BA says it's going to be? Um, let her tell you about that. Get your questions answered. Then you can make the decision to join us for the Dog Nation cruise. April 24th, we're sailing out of Port Canaveral on Independence of the Seas. Big draft party. Lots of special Dog Nation events. It's not just the fun of a Royal Caribbean cruise. It's the fun of a Royal Caribbean cruise on board Independence of the Seas with Dog Nation. does not get any better than that. We are so excited about all of that. That is on the way. Something that some of y'all are less excited about, admittedly, is the 2023 schedule release for Georgia. This is one of those things where... We've kind of known who George was playing for quite some time, but last night the SEC released all the schedule dates. Hey, I think this is really weird because, uh, by the way, look at this. How about that? The Georgia schedule just pops up as a graphic on the screen, magically delivered by fairies, I guess. I, I wasn't expecting this uh, production element today, but you see the schedule. UT Martin on September 2nd, Ball State on September 9th, South Carolina September 16th, UAB September 23rd, Georgia goes to Auburn on September 30th. So four straight home games to start it off. Uh, home, weird that Kentucky is coming here October 7th. This is the earliest Georgia's ever played Kentucky, I got to think. That's typically been a November or sort of late October type date for Georgia. This has got to be the earliest Georgia's played Kentucky. I'm sure someone has reported that somewhere, but it's got to be early for that game. In Nashville on October 14th, obviously Jacksonville on October 28th, and then November looks like Missouri Ole Miss at Tennessee you know, they're really trying to make this sort of Tennessee game at the end of the year into something where at some point in time, maybe it'll be for the SECs. I think that's the hope that that game kind of becomes a little bit what the SEC West has, where you have a lot of division rivals playing near the end of the season and there's postseason implication they play. They're trying to make that be a thing for Georgia-Tennessee. We'll see if that ever happens. But clearly the takeaway you have here is, is this is just not a very exciting home schedule for Georgia. And now, listen, maybe there's a possibility of the Ole Miss game on November 11th. You know, they're ranked right now. They've been more good than not under Lane Kiffin. Maybe that game feels big when it's played. Maybe Kentucky on October 7th feels big when it's played. But right now, there are a lot of people who look, especially at that September slate with UT Martin and Ball State and UAB, like that's just a very different kind of schedule than we're used to seeing Georgia play. And obviously the Ball State addition is because the road game against Oklahoma got canceled. This is not a criticism of Georgia. I don't think that Georgia's necessarily done anything wrong. And if anything, they have taken great strides to try to play better games. But right now, we're in kind of a weird college football holding pattern. We're waiting for Oklahoma and Texas to join the SEC and the schedule will be expanded and recreated at that point in time. But until that happens, we're just in kind of a weird lame duck period. And nationally, there's almost a little bit of that going on too, where while we're waiting for SEC expansion to occur, we're also waiting for college football playoff expansion to occur. This is a little bit of a problem for the entire sport for the next couple of years, and in particular Georgia, 
where you say, well, eventually we'll have better games being played, but for right now we have to sort of put up with this. That's a lot to ask for an entity the size of SEC football, Georgia football, things like that, that you don't like the idea of the next 24 months or however long it's going to be. You don't like the idea of that feeling like kind of like the end of an old era, the sort of playing out the string. That's almost like, you know, the present and sort of the final days of his presidency. You don't like the idea of kind of a lame duck period here where you're waiting for new change and what some people believe is going to be changed for the better to occur. But it seems like we're about to kind of go into that period with college football a little bit. And even for the most diehard Georgia fans, not a ton of folks excited about that 2023 home schedule. But maybe the Ole Miss game will look better on in real life than it looks on paper right now. And maybe you'll have more to be excited about. But September next year, ugh, doesn't seem all that great here right now. Something that else that doesn't seem all that great, in fact, seems decidedly terrible, that's the state of Auburn football. thought it was interesting to see Bruce Feldman, who's a serious guy. Feldman's not you know, known to be a hot take artist necessarily. He was on the Paul Feinbaum show this week and was talking about the possibility of Deion Sanders becoming the next Auburn football coach. I think eventually Deion Sanders will and should get a shot at the Power 5 level. He has clearly cultivated a level of attention at Jackson State that would be very hard to do. Now, Deion is a little bit of an attention magnet because he's one of the great players of all time and kind of a cultural figure, really, from the 80s and 90s that brings a level of fame no matter where he goes, but still conjuring attention at the less than power five level. Not easy to do, but at Jackson State, he's clearly done that. The Travis Hunter recruiting win, probably the best example of that. But there are others there, too. So at a certain point, someone's going to want to give that shot to Deion Sanders. And so you're left to wonder, well, Deion, if you're going to coach in the power five somewhere eventually, do you want to coach at Auburn? Because here's the thing we know about Auburn. Auburn is very much driven by its boosters. Not the athletic director, not the president. It is driven by those that are writing the checks. Now, that wasn't necessarily the case when Brian Harson was hired. All the more reason why those folks may feel more emboldened and more empowered moving forward because they get a chance to say, hey, you didn't do what we told you to last time. Look how badly it worked out. Now you're going to listen to us forever. That may be the case. So if you're Deion Sanders, knowing you may have your choice of a couple of different jobs, would you be even interested in the Auburn job going forward? That's the thing that, that's going to be interesting about Auburn is that sooner rather than later, they're going to be looking for a head coach. Brian Harsons, it's just simply a matter of when he's going to get fired. This was easy to predict before the year even began. Um, but when you start thinking about who is that fit there moving forward, I think it's going to be the kind of person that does understand the nature of the Auburn challenge, that wants the Auburn challenge. And for someone like Dion, who you know has a level of celebrity and fame that doesn't give him a lot of experience having to do what somebody else tells him to do in a place like Auburn you're going to do a lot of what somebody else tells you to do because that's just sort of been the history of the program I'm not quite so sure how good of a fit that would be um, also speaking of change coming to college football it now seems obvious Mike Gundy has talked some about this the Oklahoma State coach that when Oklahoma officially moves the SEC much the same way the Texas and Texas A&M stopped playing once the Aggies joined the SEC that the Bedlam rivalry a very good one for years between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State that's no longer going to be played and this is that age-old battle that so many of us have with all of this that you know I think some of us try not to be against every form of change that takes place because obviously that's not the right way to be you can't view every single change that happens to college football as bad but it does make us a little bit nervous sometimes when people who are so insistent that change occur show so little respect for the, the traditions that have made college football great. 
listen, I don't live in Oklahoma. I, I've never been to Oklahoma. But I do understand the the value of what Bedlam has been. It's a cool nickname for a rivalry. And over the years, Oklahoma versus Oklahoma State's really meant something. And the idea that now, because it's going to enrich Oklahoma to do so, and maybe you know Oklahoma State, you know whatever, all of a sudden this series is not going to be played anymore. Ooh, it feels like that feels like a a very aggressive level of disregard for understanding what has made college football so special and. I don't think that the sport's going to fall apart because Oklahoma's no longer playing Oklahoma State. But you have too many of those dominoes topple. And all of a sudden, the thing that has made college football cool, the fact that it's different from the NFL, well, all of a sudden you wonder how much of that coolness will still be left if every tradition is just capable of being trampled upon at a moment's notice. So interesting to hear that what we kind of believe was probably true is indeed going to be true, and this rivalry series is not going to be played anymore interesting to consider all of that um did you see what happened in the arkansas game i guess this was over the weekend was this the missouri state game a little bit of a fan altercation i want to see if i can get the guy's name right because this is probably important so doug ramsey is his name um and i guess this was the missouri state game on saturday that he got into an altercation and allegedly bit another fan in the nose now, what makes this weird is, is this guy was the chief operating officer for the company called Beyond Meat. It's a kind of a meatless meat, you know, facsimile that's, I guess, for vegans and vegetarians and things like that. I don't really know much in life, but to me, the definition of irony is a guy who makes a product for vegans turning out to be a cannibal like that. <laughs> like that's a that's a pretty odd level of irony there for me. And of all the weird things we've heard fans doing in a game uh biting somebody else in the nose probably the weirdest thing that's kind of oddly intimate i would say um i don't understand any part of this whatsoever uh my experience is in favor i can have nothing but good things to say about the arkansas fans a lot of us have kind of become uh a little bit of a razorback fan just because sam Pittman and the love a lot of georgia fans have for him and this is not what i've come to expect from arkansas fans but i can tell you this I don't want to be bitten on the nose by anybody. This is all a very odd story. And we'll make that cruising around the SEC, courtesy of Royal Caribbean. Now, later on this week, we're going to give you our thoughts on the big games of the week on our show called Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews. But here uh, on Wednesdays, we do kind of an early look ahead to that with what we call our My Bookie Best Bets. And we invite you to also make your own picks there at my bookie each and every week too so let's show you the games that matter most this weekend the point spreads for those games we talked a little bit of georgia uh, kent state off the top dogs a 46 point favorite over uh, kent state there on saturday so another expected easy game for the dogs and coming up here this week we'll kind of weigh in on whether or not georgia covers that big number at home weirdly georgia has been a little bit better at covering big numbers on the road at least when Georgia's been favored by a big number on the road, then sometimes covering the 40-plus point number at home. It's just not easy to cover a gigantic spread. Georgia has not been great against point spreads this large, so keep that in mind as you consider the golden flashes there on Saturday. Tennessee hosting Florida with a 10.5-point spread, according to our friends at my bookie. I'm not ready to make my pick on this just yet, but last week I told you that it felt very square to be on the side of Miami against Texas A&M because the entire world had given up on the Aggies. And sure enough, it was just as square as it turned out to be. And I was just as wrong as I feared I might be for aligning myself with Miami there in that spot. 
there's a little bit of an echo of that in this. I do expect Tennessee to win this game. And Tennessee may end up being my pick minus 10.5 because I do believe they're better than Florida is. And I do believe this is one of those games they get a chance to show that. But just be very careful when it seems like the entire world is lined up on one side and almost all the chatter, it's a one-way street right now, almost all the chatter is about Tennessee in this game. Be a little bit careful with that. I feel the same way to a degree about Arkansas and Texas A&M because after Arkansas's undefeated start, after Texas A&M lost to Appalachian State, didn't look great, even with the quarterback switch against Miami, still a two-point favorite against Arkansas and Jerry World on Saturday. That is something to keep in mind right there. That is a contrarian line that usually means a little something. So that'll be a fun pick to make. We make our official picks there on Friday. But just notice that point spread. Based on what we've seen with our own eyes, I think a lot of us on a neutral field would have assumed that Arkansas might be favored over Texas A&M. But my bookie, that wasn't the case. So keep that in mind. Missouri's at Auburn. Auburn's a seven-point favorite. These are two of the worst teams in the SEC. Uh, Auburn is truly wretched. But I don't know that even they are so bad. They could mess this up at home against Missouri on Saturday. So that's a little bit of an early lean there. Hated Auburn last week against Penn State. That was the right side to be on. But even Auburn's not quite this bad. And then the best game outside the SEC this week, I believe, is Clemson going to Wake Forest. Wake Forest is a 7.5-point home underdog here. And for Clemson, a chance to get its offense going, a chance to make a little bit of a statement for a team that wants to be a part of this playoff conversation, what you do in Winston-Salem on Saturday would probably go a long way towards determining just how real all of that is. And obviously, you hear me give my thoughts on the top games of the week here each week on Dog Nation Daily. And many of you say, yeah, I can pick games better than you can. Well, I'm sure you probably could. And you have a chance to do just that. Put your money where your mouth is with our friends there at MyBookie. Because with MyBookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, anywhere. Just find MyBookie online. Use the promo code DOGNATION. And before you even place your first bet, before you even win your first bet, you're already going to be a winner with MyBookie because they're going to give you a 100% deposit bonus. That means you put in $250, MyBookie is going to give you another $250 right there in your account. You literally start with $500, which is twice what you put in there. You're a winner before you place your first bet. And then after that, you play, you win, you get paid. Spread bets, money line, totals, futures bets. You can get in on all of that. Uh, College, pro, everything else. All at my bookie. But you've got to use the promo code DOGNATION, D-A-W-G, promo code DOGNATION to take advantage of the big first deposit bonus. So anything, anytime, anywhere with our friends at MyBookie. Find them online, MyBookie, use the promo code DOGNATION. Then after that, you play, you win, you get paid. Also, quick invitation to all of you to send us in your submissions of you enjoying yourself with some finished long drink. Every Friday here on this show, we celebrate the weekend with what we call our big finish presented by the finished long drink. And we want you to be a part of it. You're enjoying the finished long drink at your tailgate, at your watch party, as you're hanging out with friends at home uh, on these college football Saturdays, or just making the time go by during the week to get ready for the weekend. Whatever you're doing, we want to showcase that as part of our big finish presented by the finished long drink. And if you're saying, well, BA, I've heard you talk about the long drink, but I've never actually tried some myself. Great time for you to do that right now. Go to thelongdrink.com, whether it be the Long Drink Cranberry, the Long Drink Strong, which is 8.5% alcohol by volume, Long Drink Zero, that's no carbs, no sugar, the traditional long drink in the blue can with the grapefruit flavor, the gin kick, that's actually probably my favorite of all the different long drink varieties. Whichever one you think you might like, I think you probably will. You can also get the eight-can variety pack and try two different cans of each of the four different long drink varieties. Just go to thelongdrink.com and find out 
bar near you, beverage store near you, a lot of golf courses uh, around the Atlanta area. It's very big there. I've had it on a number of uh, golf courses throughout the spring and summer heading into it to the fall. So a lot of great places to get it and a great time for you to enjoy. And we'll celebrate you and your pictures of yourself with the Finish Long Drink as a part of our Big Finish presented by the Finish Long Drink coming up on Friday. And as we wrap up here today, I got a funny tweet the other day. I wanted to show this as our golden shoe today. So you know you've got a lot going well for your program when the program puts out a tweet highlighting the NFL players playing on Monday Night Football, but they don't have enough room in the graphic to get everybody who's playing. I got this. I want to show this to you. I think this is really good. So what Georgia did was the other night, Georgia put out a graphic of players on Monday Night Football. And you see uh, Isaiah McKenzie, and you see James Cook, and you see Lewis Seen, you see N'Kobe Dean. And the caption from Georgia football says, a Monday night full of dogs. And Tim wrote to me on Twitter to say, Jordan Davis didn't even fit on this graphic, which is really funny to think about, that uh, he's another dog that was playing on Monday night football this past week. And obviously, as the uh, Tim suggests, Jordan being as big as he is, maybe there just wasn't room for him there on that. But it also kind of shows you the depth of the Georgia program right now. So we'll make Tim a golden shoe winner for today also remind you lousy stinking gators long times they've won a national championship how about more than five thousand days in fact it's been five thousand four days since the lousy stinking gators won a national championship and our gator hater countdown back in jacksonville beating up on florida again we'll do that 38 days from right now back in jacksonville beating up on florida again that is our gator hater countdown we will see you tomorrow right here on dog nation daily presented by breda pest management and on the podcast time now for the rs andrews podcast cool down uh i got a really good question and i think this is uh one of our give me five questions of the week it's my turn to do that piece that you see at dog nation and i never really considered this before but uh a guy called let's play ball on twitter writes in to say when the game is streaming only why does the network assign the time? He says it's not like it has to be fit into a certain channel schedule. If your game is streaming only, the university should get to pick the time. It's actually a really interesting point that normally for traditional games aired on television, they have broadcast windows to try to fit them, fit them into. You have like the 12 o'clock window, kind of the 3.30-ish window, and then the nighttime window after that. That's kind of like the three accepted windows for games. And the broadcast partner puts the game where it wants but for a streaming window that's not conflicting with a particular broadcast window because it's not on television i guess the answer that is this is that as frustrating as it is for those of us who attend the games because noon games are hard to get to they are i would say logistically hard for almost anyone to get to now if you're the person that enjoys like the tailgating and the festivities that especially harms you but even if you're like just the you know, like a dad that takes his family to the game. You know, having to get up really early to make it to Athens if you don't already live in Athens, that's kind of has some of its challenges too. Now, historically, some of the older alumni have always, especially those that live in South Georgia, they've enjoyed the earlier games because it's easier to get back to their homes. You've heard this said many times before. But for a lot of people, that early start creates some logistical challenges. And here is kind of the frustrating thing that I just think we have to confront in the future is that broadcast partners, because now they're more than just television stations or television networks, they are, you know, media rights, you know, partners, and they're going to stream more and more of these games in the future. Um, they've just realized there's a pretty big appetite for games at noon. And think about this for yourself. If you're not going to a Georgia game, you know, what do you love to do? You love to plop it on the couch and, 
you know, crank it up there and see what games are on the early afternoon. And you're usually a pretty captive audience for that if you are at home. And the same way that you might be flipping around to watch somebody else's game at noon when a big team like Georgia is on the TV at noon, that draws some extra eyeballs. Even for like a streaming audience, I think they've determined that that's a pretty good time to get folks in front of their TV. I also think that, you know, Georgia had a history of when I was a kid, when Georgia could pick its game times, they typically picked 1 p.m. for those game times. So there's a chance that Georgia, you know, some of those older alumni may still be happy with the noon start, but the average fan is certainly less than pleased with all of that. You know, if you care about like TV ratings and things like that, Fox has had some success actually with their big noon kickoff. They've built a lot of their branding around having their biggest game at noon. They put their version of game day as a lead into that and their tv ratings are actually pretty good for that so while it's kind of less enjoyable for the fans and the stands on the noon kick it seems to be a pretty big hit with most tv audiences and as a response to that you do see espn and a lot of this has been georgia but you do see espn making a concerted effort to have better games at noon this used to be like the broadcast wasteland where the worst teams and the most boring games were played but that's not quite the way that it is anymore. Attractive games are getting the noon slot. Alabama played Texas at 11 a.m. Central in Austin a couple of weeks ago as an example of all of this. And then finally, there's the whole notion of the streaming product as well. You know, we have Thursday night football on Amazon now. Last week, that was a little bit of a change for me. I, you know, I'm a little bit more into streaming content than I used to be, you know, Disney Plus and Netflix, things like that. But while my wife's longtime Amazon Prime member in terms of shipping and whatnot i have never watched anything on amazon prime until this past thursday so i had to get that signed in and you know get ready to do that to watch some football last week we actually ended up watching the dude perfect feed in our house because i have got two young kids who like dude perfect but um but this is one of those things where now the nfl every thursday is on streaming it's streaming on amazon and i've told you before that's not an experience as a sports fan that i like quite as much as traditional tv because it's harder to change the channel back and forth and it's harder to kind of bounce from from game to game the way that you otherwise would but that's what the future of the nfl kind of is and if you assume that's true of the nfl then eventually that's probably going to be true for college football there too this is one of those things there's going to be a lot more of this in the future than there has been so getting used to more streaming and even tolerating streams at a time in which it doesn't seem like it'd be the most advantageous to stream it that's what these media rights partners seem to want to do right now. So we appreciate you being here for the podcast cool down, and we appreciate R.S. Andrews for making possible the one you turn to, air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs, also Dari Payroff from R.S. Andrews, the one you turn to for our picks each week on Go With The Flow, presented by R.S. Andrews. We'll do that for you Friday night on the Dog Nation video channels. And for now, don't forget, if you have a water here that goes out, in many cases, R.S. Andrews can replace it for you the same day. So find them online at rsandrews.com. Have a great day. I'll see you back here tomorrow for more Dog Nation Daily presented by Breda Pest Management. We'll look forward to talking to you then.